You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message from our pastor, Matthew Edwards. But before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. All right. Now, before we go to where I really want to go to, uh, I want to make sure again that we're all on the same page. And I say that because I feel very comfortable with everyone who's in here this morning, but because our sermons are on the podcast and we have a lot of people, I say that every week, we have a lot of people who don't come here who are listening to our podcast and they've been engaging with me asking me questions, trying to understand why we say what we say. I want to make sure that we we cover all our bases and no one just thinks that we're saying stuff. Now, I say that graciously because there are a lot of people who just stand up and say stuff. All right. (laughs) We won't go there. But suffice to say, we want to make sure we cover our bases. And I want to make sure that the foundation we lay is solid and secure. And everyone said? Amen. So let's lay the foundation. Luke chapter four. Jesus has just gone through the wilderness. He's been out there for 40 days. And at the end of 40 days, uh, he become, he, he, he's tempted by the devil, I'm sorry, he's tested, tempted by Satan, and when he wins the victory in the wilderness, God sends angels to minister to him and feed him, right? Now keep in mind, Jesus said, Father, reveal to them that you have loved them as you have loved me, all right? And so angels minister to him, likewise, angels are also ministering to you, all right? So when he comes out the wilderness, he goes back home, and when he goes back home, he stands up in the pulpit. Now, keep in mind, Jesus wasn't just someone in the, in the village who stood up one day and said, I want to stand up and speak and started his ministry. These are actually Jesus's first words in his ministry on earth. Now, to me, that's an amazing thing. I read a book once called His First Words, and they went back to the time where Jesus was just a young man. And he said, I must be about my father's business. And that really piqued my interest. And I thought, let me go look up every time Jesus said something for the first time. So this is actually Jesus's. We're going to see Jesus's first words in his earthly ministry on earth. And how you start something many times determines how you'll finish, all right? How Jesus is going to start his ministry, I think is a very clear sign for everyone. Let's just read it, are you ready? All right, Jesus stands up in the pulpit and he says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me too. And I put that in gold right there and I stopped it too. Because look, I just love that phrase. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because Why is the Holy Spirit on Jesus? For this reason, he's anointed me to do something. Are you ready? So this is why Jesus is here. This is his reason. To preach the gospel or good news to the poor. Now, I can't tell you how many times someone says prosperity gospel in my presence in a week. I can't tell you. I lose count. But when it comes to good news to the poor, let me ask you, what is good news to a poor person? There you go. Let's not make it super spiritual. Jesus said, I have good news for poor people. What is that? (laughs) You don't have to be poor anymore. Isn't that awesome? You don't have to be poor anymore. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives. Now, I love this again, because what is Jesus here to do? The Holy Spirit has anointed him to tell you, hey, if you are bound to something, if you're in bondage to something, if you can't break free of something, I'm here to proclaim freedom to you. All right. That's why Jesus is here and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. If you are being oppressed and I don't believe that a child of God can be possessed, I do believe you can be oppressed. All right. I believe that Satan can try his best to oppress you 
And the reason why he attacks you or oppresses you is to get your eyes off where they should be. So he says, hey, I'm here to tell you, hey, I'm setting you free if you're oppressed. I'll stop the oppression in your life. And then what does he say? Verse 19, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, if we're not careful, that word year can throw some people off. Well, it was a year. It was a time. It was a season. So I said, let me go look up the word year. In fact, I looked up the whole phrase in the Greek. This is the Amplified Classic Edition. And I love this edition, right? Verse 19 in the Amplified Classic Edition says it like this. To proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord. Now, why accepted and acceptable? God is saying, Jesus is saying, this is the year God is accepting you. And he, this is the year of acceptable. All right. What does that mean? The day when salvation and the free favors of God profound abusely. I'm sorry, profusely abound, obviously, uh, profusely abound, all right? Now, let's just talk about this for a moment, then we'll move on. When I say I'm going to do you a favor, what does that mean? All right, think about it. If I say I'm going to do you a favor, or, or you don't say, hey, I'll do you, most people say, can you do me a favor, right? You come, can you do me a favor? And that typically means you want me to do something, but you don't want me to ask for something in return, right? All right. Can you do me a favor? Yeah, well, it depends. What's the favor, all right? I heard a great man of God say it like this once. He said, favor is like this. Favor is like going to a basketball game late, okay? Not having a ticket. When you get to the gate, the bouncer at the gate or the security guard at the gate says, sorry, the gate is closed. The game's already started. You missed it. Say, well, look, I don't have a ticket, but I still want to go in. Can you do me a favor, right? This is what favor is like. Favor is like the security guard saying, I'll still let you in. I'll open the gate for you. I'll not only let you come in, but I'll give you front row seats and a backstage pass to go meet the people who are playing. All right. That's what favor is. Favor isn't just, yes, you can go in. Favor is, I'm not just going to let you in. I'm going to let you in, but I'm going to put you right in front and I'm going to give you a backstage pass. You understand? That's favor. Okay. So again, when he says this is the year in the season of God's, what? of the free favors of God profusely abound, what he's saying is this, God's favor wants to swallow you up. God's favor wants to, I'm saying like I said two weeks ago, it wants to eclipse you. God wants to hit you with a tidal wave of favor. So much favor that I'm telling you, everywhere you turn, you just keep going up. Everywhere you turn, people continue opening doors for you. And I say it like that because, and I, I, because it's happening in my life. <laughs> it is, it's happening to me. And it's happening to me in ways that I just go home and I tell Christina something different, something good that's different every single day. Because God's favor is going ahead of me and God's favor is going behind me. Yes. All right. God's favor is trying to swallow you up. God wants to make sure that. And, and, and I love the Amplified right here. It doesn't just say the favors of God. It says the what favors? Free favors. God wants to do you favors and he wants to make sure that, you know, they are free. You don't have to pay me back. Just let me favor you. We ended last Sunday by saying God plays favorites. And I had someone say, why did you say that? And I said, you know what, though? But it's true. What does favor mean? That you will be my favorite. You're my favorite. And because you're my favorite, I'm going to give you free favors. Think about it. The root of favorite is favor. You know who my favorite two-year-old on the face of the planet is right now? <laughs> Do you know who he is? His name is Parker, right? That's my favorite two-year-old on the planet right now. And as his room is already stocked full of toys. He doesn't need any more toys. In fact, for his birthday, if you buy him a toy, Christina's going to be upset. She actually said two months ago, no toys for his birthday, only clothes, right? No more toys. 
Now, grandparents get immunity. They already know that. But point is, Parker doesn't need any more toys. But because he's my favorite two-year-old on the planet, guess what? The other day, we were at Walmart, and he was falling asleep. And we walked down the toy aisle. We walked past the toy aisle. All right? They, the, 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 the people are smart. They put toys right beside the, uh, the you know, the hygiene stuff, you know, the, the deodorant. The, so they put it right there beside it. So when you're walking with your kids, you have to see the toys. All right? You can't blind. So anyways, Parker's in there, and he's falling asleep in the cart. We're in Walmart, and he saw Ryan. Ryan toy. <laughs> I want a Ryan toy. But he's my favorite two-year-old. So he overrode his mother. He overrode his mother, all right? The mother said no, but dad's here. So he's my favorite. He gets it anyways. <laughs> and everyone said. <laughs> but what about, okay, now all that said to say this. You are God's favorite. You are God's favorite. And he is trying to make his favor profusely, not just abound, profusely abound to you. All right? In fact, I'm just going to back the slide up one time. The reason why I, I put the picture... Again, I had this image in my head. God said, I want to release my favor on you. I want to release it. And in fact, this morning, I want to touch on this. If there's some area of your life where the favor of God is not manifesting, and this came directly from the Lord. Whenever someone says, Matthew, you know, God's favor isn't happening in this area. What do you think it is? My first thought is to go back to what I know from other ministers, back to what I've studied in the past. But when I was getting ready for this Sunday in particular, the Lord gave me something specifically for this. All right. So I'm going to touch on that in just a moment. But again, God wants his favor to abound to you. Now, let's fast forward. If you look at the book of Ephesians, how does it happen? We don't want to just know what God wants to do. We want to know how he's going to do it. Are you ready for this? Watch this. Ephesians chapter three. And I skip verse four because verse four, if I added it, it would have been another slide. And verse four is a parenthesis. I didn't want to confuse anyone. You can read verse four for yourself. But let's read it as one thought. Because when Paul wrote this, he didn't write verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, verse... Okay, he wrote it as one thought. So the, by the unction of the Holy Spirit, Paul says, If indeed you have heard of the dispensation, God is dispensing, of grace, the, of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. Now, I love this. God has anointed me, not for me to be happy. God's anointed me for you. All right? How that by revelation... He made known to me the mystery. Now watch this. What is the mystery? This is why I skipped verse 4. You can read verse 4 for yourself, but verse 4 explains how the mystery came to him. So I want to keep it as one thought. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed or unveiled by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. Now what is the mystery? This is the mystery. That the Gentiles, if you are a Gentile, this is for you. Paul is the apostle for the Gentiles. So watch this. This is the mystery that God gave him. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Now that's a lot of words. If you're not careful, they just become words on the page. But I'm telling you, Ephesians was my book to meditate on this week. I'd read one chapter, find one verse, meditate on it. That was my, this is my verse this week. One of my verses. When I came to this, I'm telling you, this verse 6 jumped off the page. What is the mystery that Paul was anointed to bring? That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. An heir is someone who inherits something. What do you have to do to be qualified to inherit something? You're just born. Guess what? You have been born again. So guess what? You now are an heir. You are an heir. And if you're not enjoying your inheritance, we need to know why. Are you ready? So let's find out why some people are not enjoying their inheritance. Why? Of the same body. 
and partakers of his promise. Now, of the same body, what he's talking about is the Jews are heirs of the promise that was given to Abraham. Now, for years, when we saw the blessing of Abraham, I always went, there's some ministers who would say it was all spiritual. Abraham had spiritual blessing. Let me say this. He had spiritual, but he also had physical. The Bible says Abraham had gold, silver, and livestock. Now, we don't have livestock at home right now, okay? <laughs> right. But some of you have stock. There we go, all right? Abraham had gold, silver, and livestock, okay? Now, that, even though that was a blessing, that was not the blessing that Paul talks about in the New Testament, and I'll show you in just a moment. But you are an heir, just like the Jewish people are the same way. The wealthiest people on the earth today are Jews. And you know what? Most of them don't even believe in Jesus, but they're still getting it. How much more should you in Christ? have a better promise on a better principle. Are you with me? So if you are an heir of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ, how does it come to you? Through the gospel. And when I saw that at work, man, I was excited. That's all I needed to see. Through the gospel. What does that mean? The more you're hearing good news, gospel means good news. The more you're hearing good news, you're receiving your inheritance. There are some people who are not receiving their inheritance. You know why? Because they stopped hearing good news. They traded good news for motivational. They traded good news for inspirational. They traded good news for a revelation of themselves. Tell me about me. Tell me how I can be good. I want to be all that I can be in life. All right? I'm just going to grind and work and work and work and I'm going to work. And it negates that God is saying, I have free favors for you. I want to give you free favors. Let me do you a favor. Let me open this door for you. Let me elevate you here. Let me bring this person into your life. But if you want to do it on your own, I can't do it for you. God has free favors for you. But God won't fight you. <laughs> he loves you too much to fight you. So if you insist on doing it your way, he will stay where he's at. We say this when we talk about spiritual warfare. As long as you fight your battles, he will sit down. But the moment you sit down and say, I quit, he stands up and he fights every battle for you. It's the same thing. Grace is unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. God has free favors for you. And he wants to make his favor abound in your life. But how does he do it? Through the gospel. That's why people say, man, what about the, and I, and I say this, I can, I'll say this. I had a minister say to me, Matthew, favor is good. But what about the judgment? Because judgment doesn't just, it's not just favor. Judgment will come. And I said, you're absolutely right. One day, he will rapture all of us. We'll go up. And you know what will happen after that? Then judgment will come. <laughs> but it won't come to me. All right, I'm in Christ. Now, if it's not going to hit me, it's not going to hit my family, and it definitely won't hit our church, why do I need to talk about it to them? Now, there is judgment coming. There will be a time one day, by the grace of God, we'll be in here and the Holy Spirit will say, now, all right, <laughs> now let them know, hey, judgment will come. But this is the ark. Run into the ark so that when the judgment comes, you can enjoy the free favors of God. We are all in the ark. And in Christ, we are enjoying the free favors of God. What if I fall? You fall in the ark, but you can't fall out. Amen. Once he shuts the door, you can't open it. You are in the ark enjoying the free favors of God. And everyone said, Amen. Now again, and I keep going back to this. How do we get it? The more you hear good news, the more you hear the favor of God. The more you hear it, the more you hear it, the more you're receiving your inheritance. And I want to make sure that you enjoy a good inheritance. Yeah. 
Amen? So let's keep going. Now watch this in Romans chapter 4. Now, for the sake of having too many verses, I wanted to be careful. Romans chapter 4. Now we're going to look at the story of Abraham real quick. I don't, like I said, I won't, I don't want to have too many verses, but I'll hold my Bible just in case. <laughs> Romans chapter 4. Now he comes to, uh, the Apostle Paul says this about Abraham. He says, for the promise that Abraham would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of, what's that word? Faith. It was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, through the righteousness of believing. In other words, I believe that God has made me right. Not I'm trying to be right with God. I believe that God has made me right. And if I believe God has made me right, I'll stop trying to be right. Now, we, this is where normally I get in trouble with you. <laughs> but you have to still preach how to live. No, if I just believe that God has made me right, I will act like what I believe. That's why, and I say this, I say this very carefully. Last Sunday, I said this about the story of Joseph. In the story of Joseph, he spoke to his brothers through an interpreter. You remember that? He spoke to his brothers through an interpreter, so they never heard him speak. They could never hear his, his Jewish accent coming out through his Egyptian dialect. Are you with me? He spoke to an interpreter. And as long as he spoke to an interpreter, they were at the mercy of the interpreter. And last Sunday, I said this. I don't judge God's people for not acting the way they should. I don't judge God's people when they go out and they act like sinners. I don't do that. We don't do that here. You know why? Because I blame the ones who are preaching and teaching. I blame the interpreters. If grace is not being taught, if people are made to believe they are sinners, then they will walk out of here and they will act like what they believe they are. But if you tell them you are not a sinner, you are the righteousness of God in Christ, they will start acting like it. That's why I don't judge them. When, I don't judge God's people when they don't act right. Now, if you've been here for two years, and I judge you. I'm just, <laughs> but my point is this. I don't judge God's people. I don't judge them. There was a story we shared years ago. There was a story, I think it was Queen Elizabeth, if I'm not mistaken. I hope that's right. There was a story where she, when she was a little girl, she would run through the uh, palace, and she would trip the guards. She would knock stuff over, and she was just a really rambunctious little girl. And one, one day, one of the guards grabbed her and said, do you know that one day you'll be in charge of all of this? One day you will be the queen. Now look at the way you're behaving. And he let her go. And she wrote in her autobiography, that was the moment that changed her life. The moment she realized she was queen. She was inheriting all of it. She stopped acting like a child and she started acting like who she knew she was. God's people just need to be reminded of who they are, not what to do, but who they are. And when you know who you are, you will act like who you are. Yes. You wanna act like a righteous person? Believe that you are righteous. Now, it comes to this. If you know the end of your story, you'll act accordingly. Are you with me? If you knew the end, you would act accordingly. And I'm here to tell you the end of the story is this. By the time 2019 ends, you will have reaped so much where you did not sow. You will, I mean, it will, it will eclipse everything that God has done before 2019. That is the end of the story. That's the end of 2019. You will reap so much where you have not sown where you struggled believing God before, it won't be an issue anymore. It won't even be an issue. Now, if you believe that, you will start acting accordingly. Are you with me? I mean, think about it. The next time you have a problem, if you knew what the end result was, you wouldn't stress out through the problem, right? And most of us wouldn't try to fight our way through it. How do I solve this? How do I fix it? But if you knew, if you knew the next time that problem came up, if you knew before, not before, the moment it arrived at your doorstep, if you knew how this would end, you would do what? Act accordingly. 
in most cases, especially our church, you'd relax. And you probably wouldn't even get up to solve it. You'd just stay seated. In the world, they say, do nothing and nothing happens. In the house of God, God says, relax knowing, relax in the knowledge of Christ. I'll make sure everything happens for you. The world says, if you don't take this, you'll end up like this. God says, just enjoy my son and I'll make sure I take care of it for you. Are you with me? Rest in him. Rest in the knowledge of Jesus. In the knowledge of what Jesus has done for you, you will act accordingly. And everyone said? Amen. Why are we still on Romans chapter 4? <laughs> Romans chapter 4. So let's pick this up one more time. Verse 13 says, For the promise that Abraham would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. So God did not say, I'll make you an heir because you're good. God did not say you will inherit the world because you live the way you're supposed to. No, he did it how? Through the righteousness of faith. Believing that he was right, not trying to be right. Do you see the difference? Then we come to verse 14. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Now, when I, again, while I was preparing, the Lord just impressed on me. There are some people where favor is not flowing into every area of your life. It's not. And you're asking, you're trying to figure out, okay, why is there not favor here, but there's favor here? And the Lord said, look, I need you to stop trying. <laughs> I'm going to show you in just a moment. I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm going to show you in just a moment. But your best efforts are stopping the grace of God. <laughs> your best attempt is stopping the grace of God. And God is saying, stop. <laughs> Let my favor be released. If you continue to give your best effort, you are stopping my favor from working for you. I need you to relax. I need you to rest. All right. In fact, let's just go ahead and look at this. We're going to look at the story in Genesis. In Genesis chapter, what is it, 13? Chapter 5. No, we're, we're in Galatians. We'll skip Galatians. Genesis chapter 16. I'm so sorry. I'll go to Galatians in a moment if we have time. Genesis chapter 16. Now we're going to pick up in verse 1. Now, I went back and did some numbers, and I found out that Abraham was 75 when God called him. All right? I'm 31. I'll be 32 this year. And I get frustrated because I'm like, Lord, how much longer? <laughs> Abraham was 75 <laughs> when his story started. That's why I say all the time, age is not a, it's not, it's just a number. Amen. All right? It's just a number. Age is just a number. Amen. And everyone said... I'm telling you, God will renew you back to the days of your youth. Yes, and everyone said, Amen. But the young man who is already a youth, there you go. <laughs> Genesis chapter 16. Now, God told him when he was 75, I will give you a son. I will make you a great and mighty nation. I will be a shield. I will protect you. I will uh, multiply you exceedingly. And, and yes, I'll be a God to you. So <laughs> God tells Abraham, I'm going to do all this for you. He's 75. We come to Genesis chapter 16. At this point, he is now 85. Ten years, the promise has not come. Now, what was God's promise to Abraham? You will have a son. And the idea or the implication was through Sarah, your wife. Are you with me? So he knows what the end result is. But he had to wait ten years. And after ten years, I don't blame him, but after ten years, what happens? Chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, see now the Lord has restrained me. And I put that in gold. I'll explain in just a moment. The Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. 
Now I'll put that in gold. She said, notice what she said. See now the Lord has restrained me. All right. The reason why I put that up there is because so many people and I can't, so many of us, when God gives you a promise and it seems like the promise is being delayed, it seems like the promise is being delayed. Our first thought is if God hasn't opened this door, then God doesn't want me to go through this door in spite of what God has already told you, in spite of it. Now listen, God's promise did not change because they acted in disobedience. God's promise is firm. In fact, um, our most listened to sermon message on the podcast was a message we did last year called Standing Confidently on God's Word. And I've probably listened to that like 15 times myself. And the reason why I say is this, the whole point of that message was, even when you don't do the right thing, your disobedience does not stop God's promises in your life. Even when you do the wrong thing, it will not stop God's promises in your life. Abraham and Sarah, at this point, Abram and Sarai, at this point, it's been 10 years. And after 10 years, she finally is fed up and says, I'm done waiting. Take my maidservant and have a son that way. So Abraham heeds the voice. He doesn't disagree. He heeds her voice. But when the story is over, what do we see? Was this the way God wanted it to happen? Now, we don't know when he would have had a child. We know that he did have a child when he was how old? Does anyone know? He was 100. 99 was, uh, uh, I shouldn't have said it. <laughs> when he was 100, he finally held the promise in his hand. The Bible says in Romans, when Abraham was 100 years old, he did not waver through unbelief and, 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 and receive the promise that God had for him. And that's an awesome testimony of Abraham. But when you look at the story, that does not match up. Now, how can God say that in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, the story looks a little bit different because God does not record the moments you don't believe him. God records every time you say, I believe you. God records every time you sit down and say, I'm not going to fight this. I'm going to let the Lord fight this for me. God records every time you say, I receive the favor of God for me right now. He records it all. And every time you get up and say, that's it, I'm tired of waiting, he doesn't record anymore. I'm telling you, one day when, we, when we're in heaven and they open the books and they say, let's look at Matthew's life. He did not waver through unbelief, believe in God anyways, believe in God anyways, believe in God anyways. And then, man, Matthew was great. <laughs> Because God doesn't record my failures. He only records our achievements. So anyways, he listens to his wife. This is not what God wants him to do. Now, what is the result? What is the result? We fast forward to verse 15. So it says, so Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named, him, named his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. Now, he was 85 when he received Hagar to himself. One year later, Ishmael is born. He's now 86. 86 from 75 is how much? 11. All right, what is it? 86, 75? Yeah, <laughs> it's 11 years. 11 years since God told him you'll have a son. All of a sudden, the very next verse, the very next verse is Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Now, why is this important? Why am I sharing this with you? All right. 13 years went by where God didn't say one word to Abraham. 13 years. Now, when I saw this, and I've known this for a while, but when I saw this, when I was preparing, I thought, what is the last thing God said to him before 
Genesis chapter 16. Do you know what the last thing God said to Abraham was? In Genesis chapter 15, God comes to him and says, Abraham, I'm going to make you an exceedingly great nation. Then he says, set out the sacrifices and you and I will pass with each other. We will step into a covenant with one another. He sets up the sacrifices and just as he's about to cross paths with God himself and step into a covenant with God, all of a sudden God puts him to sleep. When he wakes up out of his sleep, he looks up and he sees God crossing paths with himself. <laughs> now what do we see right there? We see God making a covenant with himself. And then Abraham becomes the beneficiary. Now, why is that so important? God foresaw Abraham will fail. As soon as we make this covenant, he's going to fail. And if he fails, I can't bless him. So what I'm going to do is before he fails, I'll make the covenant with myself. Then now there are no weak links in this chain because I will always keep the covenant with myself. What, what does God do now? Even when he fails in just a few days, when he fails in just a few moments, it won't matter anymore. God made a covenant with himself. And I'm telling you for us, God has made a covenant with his son, Jesus, for you. Long before this year even started. And God foresaw you are going to fail. But in your failure, the covenant is not with you. The covenant is with me. So even when you fail, it won't stop my promise in your life. Are you with me? It might slow down the grace of God a little bit, but it will not stop God's favor. Imagine a dam where the water is constantly building. All right. That's God's favor for you. It's just building. You might be slowing it down, but I'm telling you it's building. Eventually the dam will break. All right. And this morning I pray every dam breaks in your life, right? <laughs> that the favor of God just floods your life. Are you with me? Now what happens? His best efforts were to produce a son through his maidservant. And 13 years, God stayed quiet. 13 years, God stayed quiet. Now after 13 years, after 13 hours, Christina finally spoke to me again. <laughs> And her first words to me were, did you think that was a good idea? <laughs> what are God's first words? What are God's first words to Abraham? When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. When I read this, I thought, God, that sounds like the law. It does. It sounds like the law. But I know more. All right, I know that the law didn't come for another 430 years. I know that. In Galatians, he says that. So I said, well, it can't be law. So what does it say in the Hebrew? So I went back to the Hebrew, and what I found was this. Right here, the Lord says, I am Almighty God. God's first words to him were this. I am El Shaddai. I am the all-supplying one. The last thing Abraham did before him was not believe that God could do it. So he said, let me give my best efforts. So God's first words to him are, nothing is impossible for me. Are you with me? Nothing is impossible for me. Then he says this, walk before me, be blameless. That phrase walk before me literally means walk before me. You are already before me. In the Hebrew, there is no future tense. It's always present or past tense. And when God says something in the past tense, he's saying it in a sense of it's really going to happen. So what he meant was this, walk before me, you are already before me walking. Then when it says this, and be blameless, be blameless. I thought God was telling him to be blameless. And then I found, oh man, I found several commentaries that all said the same thing. And I looked at it and I found this amazing truth I never heard from anyone else. You're getting it from me for the first time. I never shared with anyone else. I found that the phrase be blameless is not God saying, 
continue to be perfect in front of me. Some translations say perfect. God was not saying be perfect, then I will make my covenant with you. That's the law. Abraham is still under grace like us. So what was God actually saying? He was saying, be blameless. You know how God created the world? You know, you know how God created light? We always say, let there be light. But do you know in the Hebrew, God said, light be? Did you know that? When God wanted to see the, uh, the land appear, God said, land be. Are you with me? What is he saying? He's speaking what he wants to see, and he's telling it to, to manifest by saying, light be. Land be. All right? Sun, moon, stars be. When God looks at Abraham, what does he say? Walk before me. Be righteous. Be perfect. Be separated. He's not telling him what to do. He's telling him what he is in God's eyes. You are perfect. But I spent 13 years in silence. I know, but you're perfect before me. What was God doing? Abraham delayed what God wanted to do. It could have happened. That, we don't know when it could have happened. But what we do know is this. At the end of 13 years, God waited till Abraham couldn't do anything. Now, that's why I say this. Your best efforts are clogging up the dam. Your best efforts are stopping up the pipe. God is saying, stop trying to help me. Stop trying to help me. Right? Stop trying to make my promises in your life manifest. Stop. Because all your best efforts are slowing down my favor in your life. But let me release my grace to you. Let me release my favor in your life. And everyone said, Amen. let me close with this. Let me close with this. Where are we at? We just saw Genesis 20. Can I show you two places? Is that all right? What time is it? I'll show you two places and we'll close. We just saw that in Galatians chapter 5. Look at this. Paul says this. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be made righteous or justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. Let's break this verse down one more time. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be made right with God by your, by your efforts. The more you try to make God happy by your efforts, you cut yourself off from Christ. And watch this. You have fallen from grace. Some people say, well, falling from grace means you sin a lot. You go back to your old sin. No, falling from grace means you're trying to be right with God. You're doing your best and you have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope or the expectation of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. And keep in mind the word circumcision, he's using it as a metaphor. Neither keeping the law nor people who are not under the law means anything else. But faith working through love. For years we thought it means faith works when we love other people. But no, what is he saying? Everything God will do for you comes through faith working through love. The more you know that God loves you, faith will work for you. Amen. Don't be conscious of faith. Be conscious of God's love for you. And the more you are conscious of God's love for you, faith will work for you. You want to make sure that the promise is working in your life? You want to make sure you're receiving your inheritance? Just keep believing that God loves you. I'm telling you, just keep believing that you are God's favorite and you'll see the inheritance coming to you. I can say it from experience. But anyways, let's close with this. We come to, where, where do we stop? 17, where are we at? Zechariah chapter 4. Now I'll close with this and I'm going to show you a picture in just a second. Zechariah chapter 4 and we close. Zechariah is a prophet and he's looking at the king. I think the king was Zerubbabel. Is that, he was the king, right? Zerubbabel was the king. And the king had a high priest with him. And the high priest's name was Joshua. Interesting name. 
And Joshua, in the, you know what Joshua in the Hebrew is? Yeshua, Jesus, same name of Jesus. So Joshua is the high priest, and they're building the temple, but they're going through some things internally. And one of the things the high priest is going through is he sees guilt and condemnation coming to him. So God gives Zechariah a vision, a prophetic vision, and he shows him what Satan is trying to do to him. So he gives him a prophetic word to set him free, the high priest. Then he comes to the king, Zerubbabel, who is in charge of building the temple. Are you with me? Now watch this. Zechariah's vision, verse 2. And he said to me, talking about the angel who was with him in the vision, and he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I'm looking and there's a lampstand of solid gold and a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Now, for the sake of time, can we break these down? I love doing the, uh, uh, the pictures and analysis. Can we do that? Let's break this down. He says, what do you see? He says, I'm looking and there's a lampstand. What does a lamp do? It gives light. And the lampstand he saw, I'm going to show you in just a moment, but the lampstand he saw is the same lampstand that rests in the tabernacle of God, in the holy place. Not the holy of holies, but the holy place. And in there, there is no light except for the light that comes from the lampstand. So the lampstand speaks of clarity. It speaks of being able to see when everything is dark around you. Are you with me? Come on, have you ever been in a place where you go, I don't know what step I should take next. I know I'm not where I will be in the end, but I don't know how to get from here to there. Are you with me? God wants to light the lamp in your life to show you the next step. Are you with me? So watch this. He says, I see a lampstand and it's of solid gold. Why solid gold? Wood speaks of humanity. Gold speaks of divinity. All that God is. Solid gold means this. I don't need your help. (laughs) I don't need your help. Let me show you where to go. I don't need your help. Solid gold speaks of divinity. Then we come to the next one with a bowl on top of it and on the stand, seven, how many, how many lamps? With how many pipes? To the, how many lamps? Seven, seven, seven. There's a lot of sevens going on. I think God wants you to note that the number seven is here. (laughs) Why is seven so important? You know what seven means in the Bible? What did God do on the seventh day? He rested. Why did he rest? Because the work was complete. Are you with me? What is God saying? I want you to rest and let me light the way for you because everything that needs to be done, everything you need to do, you've already done it. What did I do? You believed in my son. You're done. (laughs) You're done. You don't need to do anything else. The more you do, the harder it becomes. Relax. Now, I put this in gold because I want you to see this. Seven, Seven pipes to the seven lamps. Now, why does it seem like there's darkness? Why does it seem like I don't know where the next step is? Why does it seem like God's favor is not making it into these areas of my life? Notice the pipes. Oh, man, I didn't put it up here. Later on in the same story, he says this. There is golden oil that flows from the lamps down the pipes. All right. Golden oil that flows from the lamps down the pipes. It's a picture of God's favor for you. It's a picture of God's grace for you. Don't forget, Peter said all the prophets of old, they were prophesying of the day that we are in right now where the grace of God would be manifested to all of us. The sufferings of the Christ, the glories that would follow. Are you with me? They were prophesying of the grace that would come to you, that would come to me and my family. What is he seeing? He's seeing the grace of God coming down a pipe. Are you with me? I mean, think about a pipe right over your head right now. (laughs) Think about a pipe right over your head. And God has golden oil that's just pouring all over you. You are drowning 
in God's grace. You are drowning in God's favor. Oh man, God's favor is coming down the pipe straight to you. And if it seems like favor is not coming to you, there's a problem. There's a problem. So how do we fix this problem? Are you ready? Oh, watch this. So uh, where are we at? Verse three. So he sees the seven. Uh, he sees the lampstand with the seven pipes, the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it. One at the right of the bowl. One at its left. And we'll talk about that another time. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with, talked with me, saying, "What are these, my lord?" And this is the picture. You see, three on one side, three on the other. The one in the middle. Three plus three is six. Plus one makes seven. Seven. You see the seven pipes going to the one in the middle, right? If we had time, I could show you, but I won't. The two trees on the left and on the right. One tree on the left, one on the right. So he said, what is this? So the angel answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. You want to know what you're seeing? First, let me give you the word that will set the king free. Are you ready for the word that will set him free? Are you ready for the word that will release all the things that are clogging your pipe? Right? And cause God's favor to drown you. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Stop trying to help me. Stop giving me your best. I say that graciously, okay? In the context of what we're talking about. Give God your best, but stop putting your best effort forward to make what God has put in your heart come to pass. It's not going to be by your might nor by your power, but it will be only by his spirit. Only by his spirit. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forth the capstone. Talking about he will finish the vision that God has given him. He will finish the task that God has given him. God is not saying, I'm going to use someone else because you doubted. I'm going to use someone else because you're struggling. God is saying, what I called you to do, only you can do it. And I'm going to stick it out with you until you see it through. Oh, man, when I was a teenager, they taught me. If you doubt God, he'll, he'll call someone else. <laughs> What if I fail? He'll call someone else. And yet I'm telling you, God's word says the opposite. God says, if you doubt me, I'm going to convince you of my love for you. Because I don't want to use anyone else to do what I've called you to do. What I have called you to do. A fingerprint is the most unique thing that you have. And God is saying, I put my fingerprint on you. No one else can do what I've called you to do. Who are you, O great mountain before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain. He shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Favor, favor. Unearned favor, unearned favor. That's why, listen, and last Sunday's message was called the gospel of favor. I wanted to call the same, <laughs> we use the same title. But this week we called it releasing favor. Why? Because God says the way you will win is by shouting favor to every problem. Shout God's favor to every problem you have. Shout God's favor to your children when they act like they're not supposed to. Shout God's favor to your boss when he acts, not to his face, but shout God's favor at work. Right? Shout God's favor when you have that problem with your spouse and you just go into your own room. Scream favor. Right? <laughs> I'm serious. Shout favor. That is how you win. That's how God says you'll win. How do you finish the job? By shouting favor. And not favor that you've earned. Free favors that are profusely abounding to you by the grace of God. And everyone said, oh man, just keep shouting favor. And watch as the job becomes complete. Then what does he say? Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, verse 9. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. God is saying, you started it. His hands shall also finish it. What you started, you will finish. What you started, you will finish. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. How is God going to show all your critics and all your enemies that you've been called? 
Because he's going to make sure you finish it. Right? For who has despised the day of small things? God loves to start small. Me and my mom had a conversation about this. I'm closing. Me and my mom had a conversation. God loves to start small. What did you say? Jesus came from? He came from Nazareth, which was what? The smallest? They said of him, what good can come from there? Who can come from there? Because it's so small. Are you with me? Who's despised the day of small things? I'm telling you, and I say this by the grace of God, I love you and I'm so glad you're here. But you know what? On All-Star Weekend, we look around us, we go, hmm, you know? But let me tell you, who has despised small things? Not this guy. <laughs> and neither has he. Who has despised the day of small things? What we have put our hands to, God is going to show he's here by making sure that we finish it. Oh, man. Oh, I can say so much more, but I won't. For these seven rejoice. These seven what? He's talking about the seven lamps, the seven lights. For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the earth. And we'll close with this. Watch this one more time. Who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Watch this. They are the eyes of the Lord which scanned to and fro throughout the whole earth for years. I just read that. They were words on the page. Didn't know what that meant. And I'm telling you, when I was meditating on this, the Lord said this. What, what, this for me, what, it, what it means for me is this. The grace of God is coming down the pipes. It's coming down the pipes. Seven speaks of completion. The work is completed. It's finished. You can rest. And God is saying, my eyes delight to see you receiving favor. My eyes delight. My eyes are happy. I am so happy when I see you believing my story. What I've told you will happen in the end. I told you, when you know the end of the story, you'll act like you know what the end of the story is, right? When you act like you know what the end of the story is, God's favor just floods you. And God is looking at you saying, man, I'm so happy they believe me. Abraham had to act like he was a father and he didn't have any children. And God is pleased. God is pleased. Whatever God has put in your heart, I'm going to say this, whatever God has put into your heart, act like it now before it comes. And God loves it. God absolutely loves it. Well, God, I, I'm not even close to where I want to be. You're absolutely right. But act like it. And God loves it. And I'm telling you, the favor of God is drowning you right now. God is releasing his favor on you. In fact, let's do this real quick while we're closing. If you would, just close your eyes for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, wherever, whatever God has put in your heart at the beginning of this year, whatever three things you gave to the Lord, if it seems like those three things haven't started happening yet, I want you to just right now with no one looking around, just if you would just lift your hands and just say, Lord, out loud from your own heart, just say, Lord, I receive favor in this area. Thank you, Jesus. I just receive your favor in this area, Lord. Now say favor, favor. I'm telling you, when you say favor to the problem, when you say favor to the mountain, you'll see it completed. Thank you, Jesus. Father, this morning we receive your favor for us. We receive your free favors that are profusely abounding to everyone in here, even those who didn't make it this Sunday. Father, we thank you that your favor profusely abounds to everyone in here this morning. 
And Father, right now, right where we're at, we thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for the vision that you've put in the hearts of the people who are here, the businesses that have started. Father, everyone in here who has put their hand to a plow, everyone in here who's had a dream and said, Lord, I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to do this. Father, I just declare your favor is resting on them right now in the name of Jesus. Father, your favor is resting on their business right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, right now, I thank you that you are giving them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus so that they would rest, so that they would relax and let your favor work. Father, I thank you that your grace is going ahead of everyone in here this morning and opening doors of opportunity. Father, that you are bringing businessmen. Father, that you are bringing in contacts and connections that none of them could ever plan on their own. Father, I thank you that even right now, your grace, your unearned favor is moving right now in a mighty way for them. Father, that this Sunday would be a change, that this Sunday would be a turn. And Father, that this Sunday would be a day to remember. That your favor has gone ahead of everyone in here. And Father, not just for their businesses, but Father, also for their health. Also for our health. Lord, that this would be a Sunday, a day that we would remember. We were your favorite. We are your favorite. And our body reflects it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.